It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just well, welcome to down. Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Darlene Kavist, a licensed nutritionist and a certified nutrition specialist. Today's show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and therapeutic nutrition counseling. We have a very important topic this morning, so I'm going to introduce our co-host so we can get right into our very important topic, how vitamin E may combat functional decline from Alzheimer's disease. That's an interesting topic, don't you think? That's a very interesting topic. So that voice who's joining me today as our co-host is Brenna Thompson. She's a registered dietitian, a licensed... Dietitian. A licensed dietitian, (laughs) yes. (laughs) And you see clients at the North Oaks office and also in Maple Grove. Yep. And of course, you counsel a lot of clients long distance by phone or Skype. Mm -hmm. And Brenna... Didn't you, are you just about done with your master's degree? I finished up that master's. It is done. It's over. And next month I'll get my diploma in the mail. Oh, very good. I decided I didn't need to fly out to Boston to walk across the stage. You don't have to? I don't have to. No. Okay. Decided not to. (laughs) Decided to stay home. Yeah. (laughs) So as you know, I love looking up and reading research. So when this research connected the benefits of vitamin E to helping people with Alzheimer's disease, I was all over it. So I know you were too, Dar. Yes, I was. Yes. It's especially exciting since the research was conducted right here in our own backyard at the Minneapolis VA Medical Center. And VA, what does that stand for? Veterans Affairs. Okay. So right here in Minneapolis. So we wanted to know, we wanted really to share all this knowledge, and so this is really groundbreaking research, and we wanted to share it with our listeners. So we invited the study leader, Dr. Maurice Diskin, of the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System to share his research findings. And, you know, we really so appreciate him being here today because, you know, I understand, Dr. Diskin, that just this past Wednesday, you were in Rome. Yes, that's true, with my family. <laughs> and was it warmer? It sure was, in the low <laughs> 70s. So we came back to snow. <laughs> so, Dr. Diskin, you know, this is really an important topic, isn't it? And so would you share with the listeners how this research came to be? Yes, um, I think Probably the motivating, one of the major motivations for doing this research was a study that was conducted and published in 1997 by Mary Sano, and she in this study showed benefit for vitamin E in Alzheimer's patients who had moderately severe dementia. And we thought that uh, this should be looked at in patients with mild to moderate dementia uh, in patients with Alzheimer's disease. So she did that research almost 20 years yes, ago. that's correct. And so this is the first time it's been re-looked at yes, even, right? exactly right. And I think, um, I think it's important to realize that we <clears throat> weren't looking at a particular mechanism by which vitamin E worked. 
we were going uh, on uh, the finding of Mary Sano that it really did have effective <clears throat> effectiveness in the moderately se- severe group. So that's why we wanted to look at the mild to moderate group. Okay. So you, I mean, before we went on air, you were talking about, just so people understand this a little bit more in sure. detail, it, it wasn't that you you had a scientific Correct. understanding. Yes, right. We knew that it worked. Actually, vitamin E, I think as most people realize, is an antioxidant. Mm-hmm. Um, and But we don't know how an antioxidant would work specifically in Alzheimer's disease. There are a lot of theories about um, what the cause of, but the cause is of Alzheimer's, but uh, we really can't say that we know how vitamin E works in uh, that illness. But Mary Sander, Sa- Sa- Sano, Sano mm-hmm. found that it did work. Yes, that's correct. Yep. So you tried it again. So we tried it again. <laughs> Why do you think it took over 20 years well, to come question. back to this? Very good question. Um, I'm not sure I have the answer. Um, one thing that did happen in 2005 was the publication of a study. It's called a meta-analysis. So it combined actually 19 different studies. And it suggested that vitamin E in a dose of greater than 400 international units per day increased the risk of death, mm-hmm. specifically what's known as all-cause mortality. And I think that um, had a major impact on uh, the enthusiasm of people to prescribe vitamin E. I think um, so. And I think that certainly was a factor. Um, and so some of our listeners may have that question today because sure. I know some of our listeners kind of keep up with the research. Yes, right. they do. And, yeah. and yeah. really, we're going to address that a little bit later on as we talk. Mm-hmm. Sure. So let's so, talk a little bit more yeah. about what what the study included. Okay. Now, Dr. Diskin, your study included 613 people nearly all men with an average age of about 79 years old or 79 years young. And young, 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 young. Young, <laughs> young, yes. And all had mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. Yes. You had four groups in your study. Yep. So can you explain to our listeners how you set the study up? Sure. Um, I might mention these are all veterans. Uh, this was conducted um, within the VA healthcare system. Um, and very few women. Yes, very small percent, 3% were, mm-hmm. were women. Um, and, the, and we had, in addition to vitamin E, another medication we were interested in looking at, a medication uh, that's called Namenda or uh, Memantine. Memantine is the generic name. Uh, this is a medication that is FDA-approved for moderately severe uh, Alzheimer's disease. And again, the same uh, thinking prevailed. We were interested to see if this medication would be effective in the mild to moderate okay. uh, group of patients. So the way we set up the study was we um, randomized patients to one of four groups. Mm-hmm. There was the vitamin E only group. Mm-hmm. That's the first group. The Namenda only group. Okay. Second one. Third group was the combination of vitamin E and Namenda. And then the fourth group, and you have to do this with studies of this kind, uh, is a placebo group. 
And um, so, which placebo means what for no listeners? No active medication. So, what you do is you provide the subject with a capsule, uh, and it either has active medication or not. Yes. So uh, it's blinded. Uh, the term here is used so that um, it's sort of a peculiar term, but the patient doesn't know what the drug condition is, and the individual doing the ratings does not know as well. So the, this group, no medication and no vitamin E. Correct. Okay. Exactly That's right. your control group. This is the control group. Yes. Yeah, or placebo group. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So your findings, this research findings, then was published January 2014 in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And I know the media was all abuzz about the results. Yeah, we had an amazing amount of press. Um, JAMA, the Journal of the American Medical Association, selected this article as the lead article for the month. And when that happens, they really make an effort to inform the media before the publication. So five days before, uh, they make the study results available, I think, to at least 5,000 media outlets. And in addition, there was a commentary that was written uh, and published in the journal by individuals who are not involved in the study. And they essentially detail the strengths and weaknesses of the study. So Mm -hmm. that became available to the press. So I must have interviewed with over 20 journalists, reporters before the journal was published on January 1st. So that's why we had so much in the way of press. Oh, how nice. I mean, I think that's just that's absolutely amazing. Great. Yeah. So this was a large multi-center randomized placebo-controlled trial. <laughs> All those words. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Yep. Therefore, so we know that this was a very well-done study. And guidelines that all good research really should be following. So how many VA centers and how many other researchers were involved? Right. Well, we had 14 centers around the country. Um, And uh, as you'll see, if you look at the publication in JAMA, we had 33 authors. Mm -hmm. And that really reflects the team effort that was done to conduct this study. You can't do a study of this magnitude, and it was a five-year study without the commitment and involvement of a lot of people. So they are acknowledged uh, in the authorship list. Um, the authors, uh, many of the authors are what are called site investigators. They're the individuals who actually conducted the study at their particular site. Okay, okay. Interesting. So I think we're going to go to break here. Okay. And you are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. We are discussing the benefits Alzheimer's patients received on high doses of vitamin E. We are pleased to be talking with Dr. Maurice Biskin, the former director of the Geriatric Research Education and Clinical Center at the Minneapolis VA Health Center. That is a mouthful. (laughs) He is also a professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Minnesota Medical School. So if you have questions for Dr. Diskin, please call us here in studio at 651-641-1071. Ever find yourself asking, where did I leave my keys this time? How could I have forgotten that appointment? How will I ever get all this work done when I can't concentrate? Do you ever feel overloaded, like your mind can't keep pace with your life? We expect an awful lot of ourselves. No wonder our brains seem to shut down at times from information overload. 
Good mental functioning requires essential nutrients, especially good fats and protein. A diet high in processed foods and refined carbohydrates can leave you feeling scattered, forgetful, and mentally fatigued. You can improve your mental functioning simply by changing the way you eat. Nutritional Weight and Wellness offers classes and individual consultations that explain how balanced eating supports memory, creativity, focus, and moods. You will learn which breakfast foods give you a power-packed start to your day, along with how to eat for long-term brain health. For more information about classes or individual consultations, call 651-699-3438 or visit weightandwellness.com. Up nutrition. Did you realize that every 70 seconds someone in the U.S. develops Alzheimer's disease? Or that 25% of the population over the age of 65 suffers from a mild cognitive impairment? You know, little memory problems here or there. Yes. <laughs> you know, as a nutritionist, I believe even if you have a risk factor for the disease, it doesn't mean that you'll have to get the disease. No. You know, 90% of people, of a person's health, including brain health, is tied to everyday food and lifestyle choices that are made while only 10% Mm -hmm. is influenced by your genetics. You know, I believe that is hopeful for all of us to realize the power we have over our health. And I really encourage listeners to read my article, Be Kind to Your Brain, and you can just go to weightandwellness.com and click on articles, and hopefully it'll inspire you to make some changes. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. So if people have questions today for Dr. Diskin, the number, Brenna, is? Oh, it is 651-641-1071. Yeah, you, you almost should... caught me off guard there. I know. I was working on that one. <laughs> you got to keep me on my toes. So we're back to the study. We are back to the study. So, Dr. Diskin, what level of Alzheimer's symptoms did the 613 patients have, or what are some typical symptoms that someone with Alzheimer's would display? Right. They all had a mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. Um, and we measure severity, we measured severity in this study using the mini mental state exam. This is commonly used in memory loss clinics to give some idea of the level of cognitive or memory loss. Um, And I might mention that the scale ranges, just to give you an idea, from 0 to 30. Mm -hmm. 30 is a perfect score. And uh, the range that we um, established was from 12 to 26. So if an individual scored within that range, then we considered them they have mild to moderate Alzheimer's disease. Okay. Memory is a very important component of Alzheimer's, of course. It is uh, really necessary to have memory loss uh, for that diagnosis, but also functioning is important, uh, and that's also necessary in making the diagnosis. And by functioning, another term we use is activities of daily living. Mm-hmm. And by that, we mean shopping, uh, doing the checkbook, household chores, cooking, these activities that require planning, they're somewhat complex, uh, they all are measured when it comes to assessing functioning. There are basic um, levels of functioning too, like dressing, bathing, eating. Um, kind of things, also included. Kind of things that we do 
without thinking. Yes, exactly, right. Uh, so in, in a patient with Alzheimer's disease, uh, we find both. We find memory loss. We find other areas of cognition that are impaired. Uh, but we also find uh, that functioning is impaired as well. Okay. Okay, interesting. So then with these patients that were on medication for Alzheimer's before they were starting the study, um, did you include those patients? Or Yes, we did. I might, yeah, that's a good point. Um, one of the standard medications I think listeners know about uh, for Alzheimer's is Aricept, mm-hmm. also known as Denepazil. There are several others. Um, we felt that uh, we wanted to do a study where we tested the effectiveness of memantine and vitamin E on top of uh, a medication like Aricept. We wanted to see that, see for those patients who were already on the medication, whether there was added benefit. The other reason for including these patients um, was we didn't think we would be able to recruit this many subjects, which we needed, if we required that they stop at this, what, what at that time was standard medication, and it still is standard medication. So one of the requirements was that all patients be on one of these standard medications for Alzheimer's. And what, so the Aricept, what does that do for someone with Alzheimer's? It's been shown, and it's FDA approved for this reason, that it improves memory. Uh, It probably uh, does not result in any delay in progression of the illness. There's some controversy about that. But the studies that have been done uh, clearly show that there's a benefit in in memory in taking this medication. Okay. Now, when you set up your study, you actually, and I know we talked about this already, but you actually had four different groups. Do you want to go over that again with people that just kind of tuned in? Yeah, sure. Uh, We were looking at two medications, vitamin E, and I say medication because the dosage was 2,000 international units a day. And at that dose, vitamin E really, I, we consider it a medication. This is a pharmacological dosage. So, so uh, in t- you know, just to give listeners kind of an idea, I probably in a multivitamin, yes. there could be anywhere from 20 to maybe to a, six, a, who knows, 60 yeah. Yeah. 20, I use. 20, 20 Yeah, good. usually 20. Yeah, 20. And then good. sometimes people take like a supplement of, 400 yes. international units yes, right. of mm-hmm. vitamin E. So this is 2,000 a day, and we actually was given as 1,000 twice a day. So that was the first group, the vitamin E only group. The second group was Namenda or Memantine group, and again, that was a, a medication that is approved for moderately severe patients with Alzheimer's disease. The third group was the combination of these two medications, and the fourth group was placebo. And you conducted this study over a five-year yes. period of time. exactly right. And what did you find? Well, we found that the vitamin E only, uh, in, in the vitamin E only group, there was a delay in the rate of progression of about six months over the average length of the trial, which was about two years. So um, let's, let's, let's tell, it, tell sure. listeners that one more time because... Sure, sure. Um, maybe I can just say that patients were in the study 
between six months and four years. Mm -hmm. And the way it worked is that we were enrolling patients the entire time. And if a patient enrolled early when we started the study, they had a chance to be in the study for, to take the medication for four years. Yep. As we continued uh, into the study, um, patients had less of an opportunity to be in for that length of time. Sure. So they would be in for three years or two years or, or one year or six months. The average length for our subjects was actually 2.3 years. Okay. So what we are reporting is a, is for that average length in the study. We're reporting a delay in progression of about six months over that average length. So basically, for listeners, for six months, some of these Alzheimer's patients function better. Is that kind yes, of... Yes, that's the idea. And the the primary outcome measure, this is, I'm using a technical term here, but the measure that we used that we thought was the most important one was functioning. 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 And we had a particular scale that has been used a lot in Alzheimer's studies. Um, and what we found was a delay in the rate in which functioning deteriorated. So that's sort of a mouthful. But if you think about this, all of the patients are declining. Sure. And the placebo group is declining at a certain rate. And we, of course, spell that out in detail in the paper. What we look for is whether or not the patients in the other groups decline at the same rate or whether that rate of decline is less. Mm -hmm. So what we found for the vitamin E only group was a significant, and that's a statistical term, significant uh, change in the rate at which the illness progressed. And that was that was a benefit to those patients because it, the rate of decline was slower than in the placebo group. And uh, So the placebo group, they had nothing. They didn't right. have no medication, no yeah. vitamin E. Well, they still were on a drug like Aristep. Yes. But you're right, no vitamin E, no memantine or an amenda. And so we compare the rate of decline mm -hmm. with that placebo group. And the rate of decline was significantly less in the vitamin E only group. And the way you can quantify that is to think, well, what's the benefit in terms of the delay? And we looked at that. It's easier to show you how we did this. Unfortunately, we can't do this over the radio. <laughs> no, we can't. Uh, but the delay represented about a six-month delay. So if you if you pick out a point on the curve mm -hmm. and you look at where the vitamin E group is on average and you look at where the placebo group is on average, that placebo group has declined more. Mm -hmm. Then you ask yourself, how long will it take before the vitamin E group gets to that level. Okay, that's... And that's what we're sure. talking about yep. in terms of delay of progression. That's, so, I think... We got to go to break. Oh, okay. Sorry. All right. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian, and I'm here today with Darlene Kavist, licensed nutritionist. Joining us is our special guest, Dr. Maurice Diskin, chairman of a five-year study conducted at the Minneapolis VA Center showing that vitamin E may combat functional decline from Alzheimer's disease. So if you've got questions for me or Dar or Dr. Diskin, please give us a call in studio at 651-641-1071. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. 
I want to point out to listeners another great article on our website, how you can avoid the Alzheimer's epidemic. You know, just go to weightandwellness.com and click on articles. I just want to read a couple of little sentences from it, um, from this article. Similar to the to diseases like heart disease and chronic and other chronic like diabetes and other chronic inflammation, um, it is thought to be a major risk. Chronic inflammation is thought to be a major risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. That's one theory, at least. When we eat a diet high in processed carbohydrates, sugar, and trans fats day in and day out, our bodies and brain become chronically inflamed. And you might want to reduce your risk for getting Alzheimer's disease, but you know, you really have no clue about how to eat to support a healthy brain. Well, we really have the answer, and you can change your nutrition to change your brain in just six weeks. You know, I suggest signing up for our six weeks weight and wellness series of classes, and they start May 5th. Uh, the weight and wellness series will be taught in Lakeville on May 7th in St. Paul in North Oaks, May 8th in Maple Grove and Wyzetta. And I suggest you take this class with your spouse or your parents, or even a brother or sister. You know, together, if you do this together, you can really make changes with your food choices, and you can reduce your risk factor. Yes, you can. And that um, those classes are awesome. And I think it's great that you said to take it with a spouse or a sibling, because you need kind of that group support. Yes. Even outside of the class. And so your Easter dinners might be totally different. They might, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So... Just call 651-699-3438 to sign up, or you can do it online. Yes, you can. So I know we had a caller over break, and I think we will be getting to her question, but we've also got another caller on the line right now. Okay, we can take that caller and then come right back to the other one. Yes. So, uh, hello, is this Mr. John? Yes, it is. Hi, John. You have a question for Dr. Diskin? Yes, I was wondering what... uh type of vitamin E, what's, I know there's some synthetics out there, and then there's some more natural, and there's some combination types. Yep. So can you uh, tell us uh, what type of vitamin E sure. that was used during this study? Sure. We used the synthetic form. Uh, the synthetic form is a mixture of the D and the L form of alpha tocopherol. Um, in planning, we talked about this, and uh, I worked extensively with a basic scientist at uh, the VA, Dr. Govin Vadisari, who uh, unfortunately passed away about five years ago. Uh, and Dr. Vadisari thought that um, there probably would be no difference between synthetic and the natural form, which would be the D form. The other reason that we use the synthetic form is because that was the form that was used in the Mary Sano study, which showed benefit. And we thought we better use that uh, because if there were any differences between our study and hers, it might be because of the yes. formulation. So. Okay, good, good question, John. I was going to ask that question later, but you caught, oh, okay. you got to it before me. So thank you. Yes, thank you. I, I didn't hear it very well. You were using synthetic, is that yes, correct? Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay, and the reason not to use the natural. Well, again, we wanted to use the synthetic form because that was the form that was used in a previous study. Oh, I see. Okay. Uh, that showed benefit in Alzheimer patients with moderately severe illness. Okay. Um, I always hear that synthetic is not as, sometimes as good as the natural. Well, yes. You know, one thing we did, and we don't have the data yet analyzed, but we got blood levels of 
uh, actually alpha to cop for all and gamma to cop for all. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be looking at the results of the study uh, with respect to those plasma levels, steady state levels. So that should be some interesting findings. Okay. Well, thank you very much. You're All welcome. Right. Thank you, question. John. Bye-bye. So, Brenna, we had the other question. What was that? I think so that Julie had called in, and she wanted to know what the results were with the group uh, that had combined both the vitamin E and the Numenda. Right. Good. Another good question. We did not find the same benefit um, in the combination of vitamin E and Numenda compared to placebo. And we really don't have an explanation. The there, we think there's an interaction. We think that memantine, for some reason, interfered with the effectiveness of vitamin E, but we really can't come up with a plausible hypothesis. We're hoping that looking at the plasma, lo- that the blood level data mm-hmm. might shed some light on that, particularly if, the, for some reason, the blood levels of vitamin E were lower in the combination group compared to the vitamin E alone group, but we really don't know that at this point. So when we talk about functioning level, slowed the progression, the vitamin E group that slowed the progression level right. of the disease, yep. what did that mean to the caregivers? Sure. We had other measures that we asked caregivers to complete, and one was caregiver time, and that was the amount of time that the caregiver actually spent per day taking care of the patient. Mm -hmm. And at the beginning of the study, before uh, patients uh, started medication, the average was about three hours a day. Okay. And so we found that over time, and again, over the average length of the study, the care, and we expected the caregiver time to increase in all the groups because the patients are getting worse. But we found the least increase in the vitamin E alone group about two hours difference between that group and the other three groups. The only statistically significant difference was between vitamin E only and Nemenda only, um, which we report. But nevertheless, we think there's a benefit here in, in caregiver time. Okay, so rather than like you, I think you said three hours of caregiver? So at the start of the study, caregivers were spending on average about three hours a day. Okay. And again, we knew that over the course of the study, that would increase because patients are getting worse. Okay. So again, we were looking at um, the effect of these uh, treatments and in the vitamin E group, that increase in caregiver time was the least. The least. Okay. Yeah. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. So those caregivers had a little bit more time to themselves. That's right. Which makes life easier for them. I might also say that one of the other measures that we looked at was memory, cognition. And we had hoped to see a benefit here. Mm-hmm. Uh, this gets a little technical, but we uh, the statistics corrected for what are called multiple comparisons. And when we did that, which is which we really have to do, the benefit was not there for for memory. It was there before the correction, but after the correction, uh, it was not there. So we can't really legitimately claim that there was a benefit. Okay. Okay. All right. But there wasn't a, well, there was some decline, though. Actually, well, you're right in thinking about the way way you're thinking about it. What we would not have liked to have seen was that the vitamin E only group had worse memory, Mm -hmm. but that was not the case. They 
Okay. Not the case. Okay. We're there. So we did have a caller, and they wanted to know if the vitamin E group had any side effects. We looked at that very carefully. Another great question. One of the things we were concerned about, and this came about from that 2005 paper, suggesting that higher doses of vitamin E above 400 international units per day, those doses were associated with an increased risk of death, mm-hmm. all-cause mortality. When we had uh, 128 patients who died in the study, and that was not unexpected. Many of them have chronic diseases, um, and we knew that the mortality rate would be high. Uh, the mortality rate in the vitamin E alone group was the least. Oh, really? And uh, during a lot of the trial, it was significantly lower than the other groups. I was blinded for the five years. That means I did not uh, know uh, the results of the study. The Data Monitoring Committee uh, is empowered to monitor the study knowing the results. And, And when we had our unblinding meeting, when I a chance to learn about the results. Um, the Data Monitoring Committee pointed out that the vitamin E alone group for a l- large part of the study had significantly low lower mortality than the other three groups. At wow. the end of the study, there was no significant difference, but again, vitamin E had the lowest of the, of the four groups. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. So we have to take our last break here. Okay. You are listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you haven't joined us on Facebook, I encourage you to do so today. Kristen Oriogun, licensed nutritionist, is doing a fantastic job of providing recipes. Oh, she's so much fun to work with. (laughs) So she's providing us with recipes, cooking tips. She puts up pictures and articles on Facebook and other important information that you can share with your friends or family members. So remember, Easter doesn't have to be all about jelly beans and chocolate bunnies, but it can be about deviled eggs and roasted nuts. So you can get the recipes on the Weight and Wellness Facebook page. Questions today for us, give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. When something is simple, it's called a cakewalk or easy as pie. Funny how there's no easy as pie diet. But now there is a plan to make shedding pounds simpler. It's called Nutrition for Weight Loss. That's right, using Nutrition for Weight Loss. Created by the nutrition experts at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, Nutrition for Weight Loss will teach you the secret to losing weight and keeping it off. Nutrition for Weight Loss will create a personalized plan for you. It will bump up your metabolism to help you burn more calories. And there's no frozen prepackaged or liquid meals. You eat real food. With Nutrition for Weight Loss, you never get that hungry, haggard feeling. The program uses the latest in nutritional science to keep you feeling satisfied. And you'll love the bounce in your energy level. Find out more about Nutrition for Weight Loss. Call 651-699-3438 or online. It's weightandwellness.com. That's weightandwellness.com. Getting the body you want is easier than you think with Nutrition for Weight Loss. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I believe we can say spring is here. Now that we've seen the snow thaw for the third time. Yes. (laughs) So I think that means that we're going to stop wearing our heavy coats and sweaters. And maybe we'll be bringing out our spring clothes. I hope so. We all know we've had a long, hard winter. And maybe we didn't exercise as much as we intended. So you might be finding those dresses and slacks are just a little too tight. And I guess we have the answer. I know we have the answer. It's a healthy answer. 
our Nutrition for Weight Loss 12-week series starts April 28th in North Oaks and Maple Grove, in Lakeville on April 29th, in Wyzetta on April 30th, St. Paul, May 1st, Wyzetta on Friday morning, May 2nd, Saturday morning in St. Paul. Lots of classes all the time. So And so if people want to sign up, our number is 651-641, no, 699-3438, yes. or go to weightandwellness.com. Mm-hmm. And we are back with Dr. Diskin, and we have a caller on the line. So I think we'll go ahead and take that. Hello, is this Miss Kathy? Yes, it is. Hi, Miss Kathy. You have a question? Yes, I was just wondering, are there any, like, side effects to taking vitamin E, either, right. you know, in high doses, any negative side effects to that? Right. Well, we monitored side effects very carefully during the study, and uh, I think the answer is no with this dosage of vitamin E. Uh, compared to placebo, uh, we also specifically monitored for some of the things that we thought would be a problem in the study from previous studies. And we looked specifically um, at heart disease, heart failure. We looked at falls. We looked at fainting. And we did not see any significant difference in what are called adverse events, which is the same thing as side effects, between the vitamin E-only group and the placebo group. The only difference we found was in the memantine and the memantine plus vitamin E group compared to placebo. There was only one category, and it's called infections and infestations. And I have to tell you that uh, this is the way some of these adverse events are coded. When we look specifically at that category, we found 30 actually infections. Uh, pneumonia, urinary tract infections, et cetera, et cetera. When we looked specifically at those uh, individual adverse events, there was no significant difference between the memantine, the memantine plus vitamin E and the placebo group. But to answer your question, we didn't see anything in comparing vitamin E alone in terms of adverse events versus placebo. There we Good. go. Yeah, there we go. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So, thank you You're for the welcome. call. So, Miss Brenda, do we have any other callers? We don't have any more callers. Okay. So, you know, maybe just to clear up a couple of things on sure. vitamin mm-hmm. E, maybe we should just let people know, you know, as nutritionists, when you look at foods, where do you get vitamin E? Right. Nuts, seeds, avocado, olive oil, butter, coconut oil. Fatty foods. Yes. Now, not 2,000 IUs for sure. No, that's what, so Dr. Diskin has been referring to as a medication because it's a, a therapeutic or pharmacological dose. So, But you know what? We've been told for over 30 years to live on a low-fat diet. Yes, we have. So it's a possibility that people might be a little low on vitamin E if they've been living on a low-fat fat-free diet. Absolutely. Or could it be that people are eating these man-made fats? Not fats that come from nature, but these refined oils such as corn or soybean oil that have been stripped of any nutrients and were never high in vitamin E to begin with. So if people go through the fast food lane and they get french fries and low-fat dressing or even fake ice cream, that fat-free ice cream, 
all containing man-made fats or no fats without any vitamin E, it would seem that we would need more research on that. But it could help explain part of the increase, possibly, in Alzheimer's. And we do know that the rates of Alzheimer's disease are certainly increasing. It just seems like that. So when we consider that brain is essentially made up of fat, you know, we are. We are fat heads. (laughs) Yes. And. I, you know, we don't put cheap gas in high performance cars. Why would we put cheap fat, man made fat, in our brain? My guess is the breakdown of your brain, it very well could start in childhood or possibly even before we're born. And I think this is some of the research. This is that, the new uh, epigenetics. Yeah, that's... I'd love to see. Yeah. But let's get back to the real benefit of vitamin E for Alzheimer's patients. The study showed that those on vitamin E alone had a 19% lower rate of decline in daily living skills. That's kind of amazing. And doctor, you know, I think I asked this question before is kind of like when you're a caregiver, what did that really mean Mm -hmm. when there was less decline? Sure. And we found looking at time spent by the caregiver in taking care of the patient, that there was a, a, certainly a benefit um, with the vitamin E group showing the least increase among the, the four groups. And so that means that the caregivers didn't have to spend as much time during the day doing, helping them with some of those activities like dressing, yeah, right. showering, yes. cooking. That's right. Okay. But again, statistically, the only difference was between the vitamin E group and the memantine alone group. Okay. But so, the vitamin E group was the least. The least. Increased. Least, least mm-hmm. increase over the average length of the study. <clears throat> okay. So the memantine group did also show some benefit? Well, n- uh, no, not oh. really. The memantine group alone was the worst. Oh, interesting. So, yes, it was the worst. So the increase in Caregiver time uh, was about, just to take a look here, the increase in caregiver time uh, was about five hours, as I remember. Okay. Compared to about three hours with the, with the well, it, it was five point five and a half hours. The increase in caregiver time was about five and a half hours, again, over this average length of the trial, com- compared to a little over three hours for the vitamin E group. So two hours more. Yes. Oh, that's, a, that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot, yep. yes. Yep. So <clears throat> a couple of other questions for you. Sure. What other research are you going to be doing? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, we actually have some uh, data that we're going to be looking at uh, now that this study has been published. I did mention the blood levels of vitamin E and Namenda that we're going to be looking at. That should be very interesting. We also collected data, not on every patient, but over 400 patients, we have data on what's called APOE. Mm-hmm. APOE is a risk factor for Alzheimer's disease. And uh, you inherit um, one of three alleles from each parent, and you inherit either APO, APOE2 APOE3 or APOE4. So your genetic makeup is a uh, one of six combinations. You're either a 2-2, two, 2-3, two, two, 
three, 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 four, or four, four, <laughs> if I got that right. And if you have a four, you have one copy of a four, it, it has been shown, and this is very well established, that there's an increased risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. And the way to think about it is if you're destined to develop the illness at age 80, it, 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 one, having one copy of E4 in, um, puts that risk about four years earlier. Okay. And if you have two copies, about eight years earlier, so around 72. Um, it's probably important for people to find out if they have that risk factor. Well, you know, that's debatable. Some, <laughs> the, actually, uh, some societies have weighed in on that with position papers, and I don't think it's changed, and they said, don't do it. And the reason is you can't do anything about it. If you have a risk factor, and it's exactly what that suggests, it's a risk. It's not, it doesn't determine. It doesn't determine. 100% right. you're going to get the, the illness. Yes. And let's say you have an a E4 copy. Well, you're going to worry about that for a long time, and nothing may yes, nothing come of may, it. May, may come of it. So What? Well, you know what, Dr. Diskin, we really, really appreciate you coming on today, bringing your research, and who helped you fund all this research? The VA um, Cooperative Studies Program. They they funded the entire study, and uh, without their support and funding, this would not have been possible. Thank you, and keep Thank researching. You so much. Yes. Have a great weekend, everybody. Drop all its petals on me. Life, I love you. All is groovy. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Statements made with respect to products have not been evaluated by the FDA.